Welcome to Market-Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the Marketing Minds at doconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how it impacts home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peake. We are here, episode 101. That's crazy. And Jackie is with us. Hi, everyone. I can't believe it. Triple digits. Triple well, digits. and episode numbers don't mean anything because we did half episodes all through Corona time. That's, oh, true. that's true. This is like 105 then, 106. <laughs> Who <laughs> knows? It's it's like my history teacher one time told me, and I forget the exact details. Someone can tweet out the right answer or, or Google it. But there was some point in history where I think the Catholic Church just said, like, we're going to change the dates now. So that was his argument for why he wasn't going to make us memorize the dates of anything except for like one point in time for, for those who are history majors. Cause he's like, they're all just made up numbers. Yeah. <laughs> it's made up numbers. It's whose line. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. There you go. All right. Well, let's get started on one oh one with story time. Yeah. Andrew, I, you got something for us? I got one and I'll try not to talk about coronavirus because I'm, yeah, we just won't have to talk about it, but home Depot has been super busy, right? <laughs> It's insane. Yes. Like it's just yeah, bizarre. It and I don't know what episode number it is. I could probably like search in the Google Docs. It was a and while ago. It. Maybe like 20. 20? Like and I'm like, Home Depot has this really cool self-checkout. Like it's a big screen. It's like 27 inches, I think. You have like a legitimate like hand scanner that like as soon as you beep, like there's no delay. It's very cool, very easy to use. And that was episode 20. So that's what, a year and a half, almost two years ago, probably which that's crazy to say out loud. That's a long time doing podcasts. Yeah. But so that was like, why did they do this? And they got rid of at least the store that I shop at. I think they left only the pro counter. So where the contractors would have, oh, their, yeah, like, have their account yeah. and everything. Uh-huh. And then they left like the, like the customer service, like returns counter. So you were, you almost had to use either the pro counter on the, on the end by the lumber or you're in the middle where most people walked out of the store and you were kind of forced to use self-checkout or they would kind of someone would be there for you. They could help the people who who were kind of more resistant to it. But I'm like, man, they're ahead of the time. And now it's like, that's awesome. Like, that's what you want. Like, it's so efficient. Right. If you were to compare Lowe's versus Home Depot shopping in this environment, like, well, good thing they did that. Like the experience is yep. so much better. And I think we're, we're, we're seeing that a lot. Like the innovation has been accelerated by, by years and years because of all this. And it's, it's like, oh, let's just keep, yep. keep that trend going. Like why, and we've been why talking not? about the increase in, in innovation and it accelerating faster. But what's interesting is those who hadn't started at all are also innovating faster into the unknown problems that they don't, mm-hmm. they don't mm-hmm. expect because they've never even tried it before. Whereas those who had at least begun the process or had established processes that were ahead of the curve, like the Home Depot self-checkout, they're not frozen or stuck or having to deal with all these things that could have been avoided had they... Mm-hmm. Had they tried it earlier, I think that's that's We're the working out all I, those like initial kinks and just like anything right. you start new. And yeah, Andrew, I remember I think I was on with you when you first mentioned this because at the time we talked about the employee cuts and different things. Whereas you know now you're seeing that increased so much. And mm-hmm. speaking of innovation, something crazy to add in is it just talking about like things that are turning around so quickly and how companies that were doing things before that were kind of diving into new territory. 
my my husband out of the blue was talking yesterday and he goes, I want to get a new TV. So he ordered one last night. It's getting nice. delivered today. Like it's <laughs> just the turnover and just if you have things set up well, how smoothly things go and the customer service being so well planned ahead. Yep. Yep. And the trade-off is, again, when you start doing any of these things, they're not going to pay for themselves, yeah. let alone replace the other way of doing things. Like the self-checkout started more as a way to certainly decrease wait time, but save money long-term. It's like, okay, we need less yep. humans involved. It's, it's a more dependable process for the company. And then when this happens, it shifts completely into, this is just the way that everything needs to be done. Yep. And that's what makes innovation hard is it's really easy to look at that line item. I mean, again, this, this isn't a political statement, I don't think, but the amount of money that would have been needed to properly prepare for what we're going through from a government perspective compared to what's being spent now, right? It, it, it's the same idea. It's yep. like you look at that line item and you're like, do we really need to spend that money? And that's where CFOs, you are you, having a good one is worth it. I mean, great CFOs are amazing because they understand how to calculate risk. And, and if you have someone who just looks at that black and white profit and loss and not able to calculate risk into the cost of things, it makes it a lot harder for the company to, to invest in innovation because black and white is not going to pay for itself right when yeah. you start doing it. And I, I think the last thing I'll add to it is I, I feel like with the, the great builders we work with, the ones that just, hey, we are going to do that, like they're, they're already committed to spending a portion of their budget on it, like it, I would think they probably feel like spending that money after they've already made the commitment for the year to spend, I don't know, 20, 35,000, whatever the money it, the dollars is, it's less painful. Like, oh, we're already spending this. It's exciting now. Like that kind of maybe if they had some type of buyer's remorse, like, oh, we're really going to spend $30,000 on who knows what this year, testing new tools that might or might not work. The, the pain is already gone. So they're committed to it. And then most of the time it, it should work out. Yeah, I'll be curious too, with, with things changing and evolving. I mean, like you said, Kevin, how the last two, three months, how companies in a way are almost forced down that path who may have not taken it. I'll be curious too, how many keep moving in the fast lane or people that are kind of treading lightly moving forward, especially with different things, like you said, Andrew, rushing to kind of try new things to try to stay ahead, but also with that risk. I'll be curious to see. guess we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Kevin? There's definitely some deep thinking and thought that you can do to try to prepare, but a lot of it is just being on, on your toes, right? I'm not sure which sport it is that that I remember hearing this from, but you just got to be light on your feet and, and like that bouncing movement on the, on the balls of your feet lets you able to be uh, reactive. And so. Well, yeah, the adapting gotta, and change, Kevin, what was the, the quote you always said about change? Oh, the, the only person who likes change is a baby in a dirty diaper yes. or either, either that one, <laughs> which I, which oh, I love, man. or, you know, the, the pain of the change has to outweigh the pain of staying the same. Yes. There we go. Yeah. I think, is that a Jeff Shore? I think that's a Myers Barnes taken from Bob Schultz taken oh, from, man. I mean, it's, it's, me. it's been around <laughs> along all sorts of places. Yeah. But it's that's just adapting. Yep. Well, I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay. Well, I would like to talk about something that I'm excited in terms of, you know, when you look in your calendar, my wife keeps reminding me, she's like, there's nothing on the calendar, Kevin, in terms of vacation. What are we doing? She's like, I, just, I want something to look forward to, something to yeah. work towards, something to count down towards. But I'm excited because there is an event, and we talked about this with, with Brad Inman. I just want to circle back because it's coming up. June 2nd to the 4th is Inman Connect Now. Inman Connect is kind of the international builder show on the used home side of the business. And lots of fantastic speakers, Brad Inman, Gary Keller, uh, founder of Keller Williams, Glenn Kelman, who we're going to talk about more today, uh, Ryan Searant, uh, Rich Barton from Zillow, Brian Boero, who was on episode 100, will, will be talking. Just an amazing list of speakers that you can watch from the comfort of your home. But also listen to some of the topics they're going to be talking about and see if this sounds like something that would be important. So helping buyers navigate choices they've never had before. Yeah. Um, how to close a virtual transaction, how to provide high touch service in a low touch world. What do I do with all my extra office space? Um, how, how do brokers help their agents or sales leaders help their salespeople pivot their strategies? So it's, it's going to be a fantastic. I will be attending. Uh, other folks from the Do Convert team will be attending. It's going to be, they're, they're going to do some things that are a little bit interesting in terms of virtual event. It won't just be like webinar uh, effect after webinar and there'll be ways to get interactive too. So definitely something to check out and in the show notes, or if you're listening while not driving, because most of you are not driving, you can go to now.doconvert.com slash Inman, get access to Inman news, uh, with a $1 subscription cost for 90 days. And then that, that also gets you a discounted price on the event for $49 to attend. So that's a lot of value for basically 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, I that sounds very very cool. There's yeah, gonna be a, a, a like a here's how to make the most out of a virtual event, and I feel like I maybe I could convince my my better half to let me go to like a hotel or something, and that hmm. would be where I could I could pretend like I'm there. Make you feel right. like you're there. <laughs> yeah, order room service. That'd be great. Oh, I love that yeah. idea. Exactly. Well, that's that's something that I am curious if they're going to be talking about, like Rich Barton. Uh, from Zillow, you know, if you've ever been in the Zillow offices, there's unlimited snacks, basically, of any different kind. Like every floor has there their own are. snacks and their That's own really cool. room <sighs> and drinks. Well, imagine how much money is being saved working from home when you don't have to refill all those snacks. Uh, right? yeah. And the employee gets to get the perfect snacks they like. So it is a win-win. If you're attending an event from home, your favorite drink is available. Your favorite snack is available. Right. And it's not like $7 or something in. $12 for a really bad sandwich from the convention center. (laughs) Yep. And every seat is a front row seat. That was the interesting thing from Mike and Jen's, um, Facebook lives or the NHB event we did on, on marketing during COVID, et cetera. A lot of the comments were like, I loved it. Maybe it was their first webinar experience with us, but like I had a front row seat. I didn't have to worry about the person in front of me. So yeah, lots of good stuff there. Hope you'll join us. I think there'll be lots of good takeaways that you'll be able to get from that for a really great, great value. The second story I have real quick is my buying from Quint Lear story. So I had like five minutes before my next uh, coaching call doorbell rings and I thought it was a shipment from Apple arriving. So I'm excited. I opened up the door <laughs> like, you get the and door? it's a salesperson <laughs> with head to toe in their, in their work uniform for this service called Moxie. Like recent, I see it, right? During, oh yeah, like two like, days ago. Wow, interesting. Okay, on a segue, 
or a segue was standing there. He, he's standing on my front porch. He's asking me, he just starts in talking about my neighbors and he's here because he's working with them and asked me questions about ticks and stink bugs, et cetera. And I'm just like, man, I don't want you here right now. I've got a call in five minutes. I need coffee. I've got to, you know, get my camera turned on. And he just keeps asking me questions and he's smiling. He's extremely positive and, and just bouncing with energy. And he's like, oh, you got a call? Well, when is it? I'm like, I don't want to, I want you to feel like I need to leave right now. I don't want to tell you I've got five minutes, but I answer anyway. And and just, Hey, yeah, we're going to make this fast. It it was just shocking to me how a great salesperson, I I had zero thoughts about tick problems and everything else. And, and, and there's more to it, of course, because he was offering a better value. It was Mm -hmm. about half the cost of a national company that we use. The national company has salespeople like him who show up every time they come out to, to work on the yard and try to upsell you stuff. Oh, that'd be odd. And he's oh, like, yeah. we don't upsell. We're local. We're headquarters is three miles away. Uh, we don't upsell. It's everything included for one price. And, and I was like, okay. So it, it was still a combination. It wasn't like he sold me something I absolutely don't need. I did think it was a better move to work with them than anyone else. And I can hear a Quint's voice saying that's because he knew his product inside and out and he knew the benefits. And so he, it didn't feel like feature dumping because of his attitude and enthusiasm, but in a way he kind of was. But he was also asking great, great questions to control the conversation and he moved fast and made it easy for me to buy. So that's the rest of that story. I know that's I posted fun. that wow. on social media a couple of days so ago. So it worked. You, sw- you switched over. Yeah, and I, you know... There, there e- even that the process of switching like who wants to call up the old company and yep. feel wait bad, on hold maybe. for five minutes yeah. and then have them try to save your account so mm-hmm. like That's all these things are in my head you hear thinking, that often people that mm-hmm. end up switching so you must you, like you said he was good well then i there was a point where i was like this guy <laughs> is just like quint and now i don't even want to so in, internally i'm kind of almost rooting for him like ask for my credit card information just get this over with cuz i don't <laughs> if if you make me do this later yeah. i'm not going to do it but if you do it now you're going to get the sale mm-hmm. so it was a fun fun little story to share nice all right so cool shifting over to the news cuz we got a lot of good stuff to talk about this one we don't have a link to yet i don't think they've published it but lynn davis from enter now sent over a white paper that they've worked on. And there's a couple interesting points. There's a lot of interesting points, but I pulled out two. And the first one here, Andrew, I'll let you kind of describe what we're looking at, but it, it's a set of data points about when people are showing up to homes during coronavirus and before coronavirus. Yeah. So it's a yeah pre-corona, post-corona, Monday through Sunday, the percent of the traffic, what day did they show up on? So was it Monday? Was it mm-hmm. Tuesday? Was it Wednesday? And yeah, the, the difference is quite drastic. I would have expected. So before I'll, I'll give the ranges, that way it makes sense. Monday through Friday is pretty much 10 to 11%. And then Saturday and Sunday is Saturday is 26. Sunday is 22. Post Corona, Monday, Tuesday are six to 7%. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are nine to 10%. And then Saturday and Sunday, 30%, and then 26%. Hmm. So, uh, Fair change. I would expect it middle of the week to be a little bit more. I agree. But I guess people aren't moving as much. Like, I guess you could go both ways. Like, well, of course they're not going anywhere. They're busier at Well, home. and this is Don't the thing about me. surveys and data. And Valerie posted in uh, from Simmons Homes, posted somewhere. Okay. I think it probably originally came from The Onion. Like, 
latest charts show that charts are charting are not being used as often. Yeah, charting <laughs> yeah. down. It was it was great. Yeah, good. But when you ask consumers what they're doing, or when you see what people say they're doing on social media and what they actually do, are often very, very, very different. And so I think you know a lot of a lot of comments are, or I saw one one data point that said people are saying that they are staying home more than they ever have. And yet when you look at the data from phones, mm-hmm. it, which is totally creepy, if they're, you're they're moving, like they're moving at an increased rate. The anonymous right? so data, they're, they're just pulling. Home. Yeah, that's um, yeah. crazy stuff. But, but the social pressure though. is to say, we're staying home. We're not doing mm-hmm. anything. Right. right? We're and you figure though, during the week, even though I agree, I would expect that number to go up being that people are to be at home more, but you figure, Everyone, for the most part, is still having to work. I mean, there's still all, so many different factors in there. Yeah, seeing the weekend numbers up, that's yeah. My guess during the week is people have to be they're more intentional about going places during the week now than before. They were maybe out. Not that people people are still going out. It's a lot, but before, if they were commuting, they had the before commute and then after commute. Well, this is why I say people. Lunch, aren't being completely honest. Cause if you listen, everyone's got all this extra free time, mm-hmm. they're doing this and that. And, and again, there's different experiences, different realities. Oh yeah. I've had more coaching calls where we have to end like 10 minutes early cause two kids are screaming and something broke in the house and they're like, oh, no. yeah. uh, I just got, oh, can, can I, can we continue this later? So I think depending on your, your setup at home, yep. how many people are in your home, if your partner yep. works, doesn't work. The interesting things are certainly that, more shopping on weekends, but also that Monday in particular, I saw someone else post something like, why do Mondays still feel like Mondays, but every other day during (laughs) Corona feels like it's the same. It's a Friday. (laughs) And, and so I think there's, it is interesting that, that people's availability work habits, um, does tend to be shifting and, and, and indexing more towards weekend activity when it comes to, to real estate. That's interesting. Yeah. The second Interesting piece was from Regency, uh, Regency Homes in uh, Western Tennessee, uh, folks who we know very well. And I'm going to get to quote Doug Sneed, which is awesome because because Doug's uh, one of my favorite people. Is that they have? I think they said ten locks, so ten locks with owner now, and they had 229 showings in two weeks with those ten locks. Now, one important thing to remember is how many of those were driven there through kind of the normal process. And how many people just drove by, showed up, and decided they wanted to do it? We're not really necessarily sure. But basically, it ended up running about $5 to $2, depending on how you do the math, per showing, which isn't bad at all in terms of getting people in your product. Mm -hmm. And on average, there were only about 80 showings per week or about an average of eight per property before they had the internal locks installed. So about around a 40 to 50% increase in the number of people getting through the product. And so here's the quotes from Doug. I'd, one is I just looked at today's traffic and we logged 21 today and then check it out. We had 54 visitors just on Saturday alone through 10 different locks. Wow. So there's no doubt that, and you can call it what you want. I'm still sticking with on demand because I think that's what consumers want. They want what they want when they want it. But whatever type of easy entry access that you can offer your customers, I think that's definitely something that's here to stay. No doubt about it. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah, the Redfins of the world, the Zillas of the world, they're going to continue to use this technology, whether builders try to keep their head deep in the sand and, and pretend like they can go back to normal and not have to offer it post-corona or not. I love it. It's just all part of the innovation moving forward. It's very cool to see the numbers to compare. 
Mm -hmm. See something actually, you know, a lot of people, if they're dragging their feet, not knowing if it works or not, and the numbers show it. So yeah, and again, it doesn't just have to work by selling that particular home they entered. Selling someone on the idea of new construction or selling someone on the builder is equally as important from a marketing perspective. Certainly not a commission perspective for those salespeople listening. I get it. You just want to sell that house. But from an experience, I think there's it's a win-win in almost any scenario. Yeah. Definitely. A new home smell. A lot of people don't know about because they haven't bought a new home, but there's definitely, it's like a new car. There's a new home smell for sure. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Next up, an article from our friends at O'Neill Interactive. This one's called The Importance of Organic Search Presence. And this was just a great reminder to me. In our top five things that give you a return on your investment, I had moved SEO down from number one previously, I think, to number four. And mostly because I think content which I put number one, steals a lot of the thunder from an SEO standpoint. But this blog post did a really good job of reminding me and hopefully all of us that there are multiple aspects to SEO. There's a technical aspect, you know, is the website and the server and everything set up to be as friendly to SEO spiders as possible. There is the on-page, just making sure that the on-page stuff has the right words and the right terminology and is, is done correctly. And this, this article really hammered on local. So the importance of Google My Business, keeping it up to date accurately. This is obviously a big issue in the middle of, of hours needing to change or, or availability being able to change. A lot of builders scrambling to get those updated, uh, especially the larger builders. That's a, that's a huge task to be done. I thought it was a, just a great article as a reminder that even though I have it as number four, and in my mind, I'm thinking most builders hopefully have solved the technical issues and can focus on content. It was just a great reminder to, to come back and focus on local too. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And I, I think a lot of people might be thinking, at least my mind, because I'm in Google Ads a lot, like, well, can't Google Ads just fix all this? And yes, but with the cost. But then there's also the other side of like, we don't know what keywords we should be getting traffic from if your organic is terrible. As in like, so mm -hmm. say Google Ads, you're spending 3000 a month. Organic has whatever amount of traffic. If your organic is in, say, like a, five out of 10 shape as far as like it needs a lot of work to improve. It could like, there's all that opportunity sitting there that Google ads can never get because it's just completely different as far as people clicking, yep. clicking on it. I, yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's not talked about a lot. Search engine. Well, SEO let's talk about it. conspiracy theories for a second too. Mm, I took out an article from SEM rush <laughs> about the big uh, core update because of time. Uh huh. But the main takeaway from that was that, there is more volatility now in SERPs. You can Google that term later or go back to one of our previous episodes to Snakes. learn more about SERPs. <laughs> but the SERPs that were damaging, had been damaged the most by the core update, were also predominantly the industries that are not doing well right now anyway. Mm -hmm. And so again, my conspiracy theory is Google continues to say there's complete separation between paid search and organic activity. And when I looked at that chart, I don't know if you peeked at it before I erased it, Andrew, but I was like, I don't know. And even even we've seen that with with builder partners where as paid search has scaled back organic. And so is it chicken or the egg? Mm -hmm. Is it unintended consequences? Maybe. But I still think even Google doesn't really know how much integrated results there are between Definitely. organic and paid efforts. I think there's got to be some. And then I think there's also a, uh, which Facebook needs to fix somehow. There's a timeliness thing that I kind of felt when they were, with the update, like news had was the biggest winner. So there's this big chart where it's like, which areas had more 
search results or more mm-hmm. representation in the SERPs. News was at the top, business, industrial, online communities. So things that are can be from the past 20 minutes or 15 minutes versus some of the other industries could be. There's not as many updates, but yeah, I agree. Those You look at it and you're like, well, those are the people that pulled out of uh, advertising, travel. Well, that's the things. thing. It, was, it like, wasn't hmm. just the ones that were negatively impacted by the health issue. It was things like gaming and exercise equipment. And I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting too, because those people have advertised less simply because like Peloton has cut a lot of their advertising. They don't need to. They're selling out of their product. You can't buy free weight yep. equipment anywhere. No, it's crazy. So the list of people whose organic traffic had dropped, but you you know it's actually being used or searched for potentially more than ever. Like that's that's just interesting. That's really weird. You know, maybe when people type in an exercise term organically, it's taken into news articles about how there is no exercise equipment to be found simply because news or, I don't know, it's, it's just, it's always going to be fascinating how Google That's decides true. to. Uh, and a friendly reminder, do not listen to your Google reps pretty much yes. ever. Oh my goodness. Like, it's getting worse. That's a whole other story, better. but like there is a, yeah, I guess the 30 second story, they wanted to apply X strategy with a large spending builder. I'm like, that's a huge amount of risk to make that change. Like, oh, there'll be turbulence. It'll be okay. I'm like, you're an idiot. I'm like, that's not the way it works. Like, get, get out of here. I was, yeah. I was like, are you joking? And I had like some Google product engineer, whatever acronyms. Like, he was on there. Like, I'm like, oh, this is smart, smart dude. Like, he doesn't talk to people normally. Like, he was trying to sell me on this. Well, the end game that they have is basically trying to tell everyone you don't have time to mess with this. I mean. Correct match types and keywords and negative key like this is too complicated you just go t- turn on automatic leave it to us trust us everything will be fine and it, it's getting much 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 worse yes from, from their end just shame on you google shame, shame on, you. on shame okay. On you. okay all right the last article from forbes.com real estate iBuyers are back in the game after coronavirus hiatus mm-hmm. this is from may 8th but they're starting operations back up. Certainly, they're being more cautious. I know I've read quotes from some of the CEOs of these companies saying, hey, our offers are probably going to be a little bit less. We're going to yeah. give ourselves a little bit more margin room for error than we had before. But it is a sign that, uh, like everything else, things are starting to return more closely to the way that they were before. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's related, but probably not related in any, in any like smart way. But I have two friends that just sold their houses like in the past week and they were mm-hmm. up for like a day and a half multiple offers over i'm down here where it's there's not much inventory but like this is insane like we're oh, yeah. in we florida's a little more aggressive here. with the changes but i'm like this is nuts i've noticed that i may mention before my sister-in-law and brother-in-law just put their house up and andrew's similar to you guys down in florida I mean, maybe it's because the inventory is a lot lower. People are a little bit more anxious, but they had so many. It was up for a day, day or two. Wow. And it's already contingent. So it's very interesting how that's Good for them turning around. Yeah. The main thing that I've heard the CEO from Redfin talk about was second home markets and vacation home markets in particular are places where they see the most opportunity because that's where folks have a loss of income or it's 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 a nice to have not a must have and oh, so they're more aggressively selling like he basically said in a yeah. podcast interview that I heard if a market particular market is heavy with Airbnb investors people who just were buying properties and trying to rent them on Airbnb or VRBO 
those places in particular are getting much harder hit. And and he sees really good opportunity for iBuyers of all kinds to step in and make offers and, and get that deals makes, done. That makes sense. Because a lot of those, I know a, a younger Airbnb investor, is that is that a word? And <laughs> he did care what he was paying, but like, he's like, bro, like we're getting like three times a monthly rent compared to what it is. So I'm like, I, he's like, I don't really care if we get like a great deal or not. We just need the area and the and what the look is. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. You have ten of those. That seems a little seems a little risky, but okay. Yeah, that's yeah. that's interesting. I'm yep. sure they'll get a wave of a bunch of new homes too that people will start to go to them for as well. Just in general, like Redfin mm-hmm. and any a lot of those like companies that are opening doors back up to buying homes. Yeah, it's kind of the it's the backstop. Yeah. It's the why not get an offer, and then we still may end up doing something else. But it, that that's the amount that we know that we can get for this house. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us, and again, they've they've all said that the interest in their programs has not really dropped off at all. That's Consumers really want and are curious about how this process works. They just temporarily paused, and we're trying to get rid of all the homes they already owned in case things continue to get worse. Which thankfully. They didn't really do. And then the last one, we don't have time to go into this at all. This is required reading posted in our Facebook group and LinkedIn group. But this is there's a three-part series that the CEO of Redfin posted on LinkedIn that's really, really insightful and almost a, a day-by-day or a week-by-week breakdown of what was happening within the organization and how they were shifting and adapting. And even just, I'm, I'm sure this guy did most of the writing himself, but it was, it's really good. Like my favorite, the, the headline of article one is we've been underreacting for a long time. Mm-hmm. I just think that's a term that I haven't heard much of underreacting. Usually it's all about overreacting, but mm-hmm. companies have definitely underreacted in terms of the need for innovation, the need for investment in content, the, the need and making it easier for consumers to do business with you. It's a really great story. And, and I'll let Andrew or I'll let, I'll let both of you share any takeaways you have. But I wanted to share one story from the second article okay. where they had ceased purchasing homes. They were the first ones to stop their eye buying business. And so it was company policy, like we don't buy homes. And somehow a lady got a hold of the CEO and was crying, said she couldn't sleep. And on the form, she had labeled herself as an investor, but it was an accident. And she, it was actually her primary residence. She wasn't, you know, trying to to flip an investment property to Redfin. And so he said, hey, if you promise me that this is your own home and not an investment, I will buy it for you because he felt bad for her. And then it came to find out that it, it was actually an investment property. And he said, we still own that home today. It cost them $430,000 to buy it oh and they still own it. And kind of the theme for me of transparency is he had to go back to his team and, and say, I know you've held a line all week on people who really wanted us to purchase their home and save the company from a great risk as a result. I had to do that with just one home and I didn't. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I just thought how, how awesome is that for a CEO to, wow. to basically say, yeah. don't let me do this ever again. <laughs> ever again. And, and that's what I got from, I, I'm still making my through because they're, they're quite lengthy articles and mm-hmm. it's written really well. Like I was surprised. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is like written like, this is a good story, but he, he was on vacation when like coronavirus first started being talked about. And then that's where it's about underreacting. And I forgot the quote that he had in there, but essentially he had this acknowledgement in his brain. Like, was it, I was on vacation. Was that like, 
kind of like his delay, I think it was like six or seven days where they had like a group message and then someone's like, hey, we have this concern, da, 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 da. He didn't answer it for like, I don't know, a week or something. And he's like, was it because I was on vacation? I didn't think it was important, but he just being that transparent was, I'm sure his his team, his his company appreciates that. I think that is yeah. for a leader, especially some in a public company to put that out there like, hey, I screwed up. Look, it could have been I was on vacation too at the time and I should have reacted a week sooner. Right. Had it not been. But well, yeah, it was, I, I like the good. breakdown, like you said, with the timeline of everything. I think it's a breath of fresh air to see this. And a lot of us within different companies that react different ways probably can relate to this, how one day it could be normal. And then in the evening, as higher ups are starting to hear that somebody went to the hospital to get tested, and then suddenly it's the next day saying, okay, well, do we have to close 78 offices? Like immediately, like almost overnight. And mm-hmm. seeing the effect it has on people, if you like just the fact with them, how much it affected them at first with, with different homes that they'd had and the significant drop in demand from home buyers and sellers and the stock falling and very, very interesting. But it's yep. nice and to have I, the truth of it too. Yep. And I, everyone loves a, a great story. So I'm not going to give away the ending, but on day three, that home that he agreed to purchase comes back into play. And it's, it's incredibly interesting to see what ended up happening with it at oh, the end. Man. So make your it. way through there. Yeah, I'm working my, my way through too. I can't take wait. away clothes is still my favorite one. Just because of time, we're going to skip the 360 topic, but we've got it lined out. We know what it's going to be. It's going to be it's right fantastic. There. It's it's answers a lot of the questions that we've been getting. But we just we've had too much fun as usual uh, with the news and with story time. So let's get right to the question of the week this week. Going back to your point, Jackie, on on how this has affected everyone differently on a scale of one to ten. How has having to shift to a completely digital or virtual experience over the last month and a half, for many of you, that, that was uh, necessary? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being it's the hardest thing we've ever had to do as a company, and 1 meaning we didn't really change anything. What are you talking about, Kevin? Give us a pulse check, because I think that's what's really interesting is overall, I think most people feel like they've gotten through this easier than you, again, if I keep coming back to if there was a toilet paper shortage, you couldn't buy chicken and every, you know, 48 states were shut down with the shelter in place orders of some kind. Would you still get the results that you did in March and April? But how hard was it mentally for your company? Not, not necessarily just yourself, but your company to, to, to navigate through this on a scale of one to 10. That's the That's question good. of the week. All right. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. I'm still digging TikTok. I still dig Twitter. My wife is digging TikTok and it's driving me crazy Um, (laughs) because there's all these like quirky jokes and all this stuff on there that like TikTok humor. And she's like, hey, and she'll like do some. It's like, hey, say this shop, like say it, say it three times. I'm like, what are you doing to me? And it's like, I'm like, you need to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I just recorded some new bumper uh, break music. Uh, so if you're a TikTok fan, you will recognize many of those tunes. They're they're on constant rotation in my house because my kids are are addicted. That's awesome. I like seeing the ever-changing trends, all those different, whether, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw like the family doing like the Olympic games, the quarantine Olympic games. And like, yep. there's so many different ones that, or the uh, glow in the dark 
dance where you use the glow in the dark sticks to do the outline, like a stick mm-hmm. figure. And you turn the lights off and you dance. So it looks like you're a stick figure dancing. I don't know. There's some things where I'm like, kind of want to try this. Like, oh, there's I, tons of creativity on there. Do not let your small children have their own TikTok account <laughs> and, or use it uh, without your knowledge or supervision for sure. I'm not, uh, this is kind of like when your pastor references a rated R movie and you've got young kids and you're, and they're like, can we watch that? You know, so don't. That's my, <laughs> that's a full that's endorsement my only beef for TikTok. Like I'm like, yeah. they need to figure that out. Yeah, they need to let you block certain types of content yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. All right. All right, guys, that'll do it for this week. We'll see you next time. See ya. See ya. Yeah.